Well, election day is almost upon us, and I have been asked to share a couple of thoughts on um, does Jesus have anything to say about election day? Heavenly Father, I um, ask that you would accomplish your will, that you would speak what you want people to hear. Um, through Christ we pray. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, 10, and many places in the Bible, say things like this about Jesus. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want us to encourage us today to think about what does it mean for Jesus to be King of kings and Lord of lords when we go into the voter booth? I mean, what does that mean? I think there are two extremes that need to be avoided when it comes to politics and election. The one extreme is when Christians equate Christianity with a with a candidate or a political party. No political party is consistently aligned with the Bible. In fact, I, I would suggest there is not a political body that is consistently biblical on issues like gender and marriage these days. Second, no political party, no political candidate is the savior. I'm not the only one to say this, of course, but if you're looking for Jesus on the ballot, you won't find him. And so it's very dangerous for Christians to try to equate their uh, their political views with some political candidate. I mean, for instance, Ronald Reagan was the first president I ever voted for. I think he was a great president. He was a good man, but he wasn't always moral. I think that many of his beliefs were consistent with biblical teaching, but not all were. Um, on the uh, another example of that I have a friend who, when Trump was president, used to get upset with me because I wouldn't in my sermons, call out Trump for being a liar. And I would say to him, if I, if I called out every politician, every president for being a liar, uh, I'm not sure how much time I'd have for the rest of my sermons. I mean, because it just, and he pushed back. Oh no, the political candidates in his party, they're not liars. They tell the truth kind of thing. Oh, really? For him to be a Christian meant you had to be a part of you had to vote his way, be a part of his political opinions, part party. The other extreme, I would say, is an unhealthy segmentation. You know, it's like Jesus is the Lord of history. Jesus is the Lord of eternity. Jesus is Lord of everything except politics. You know, when it comes to things like government, the Bible must stay silent. We have to keep that out because Jesus is King of kings, lord of lords, but not king of presidents, congresses, or courtrooms. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 14, Justice has turned back, the righteous stand far off. Why? For truth has stumbled in the public square, and honesty cannot enter. Truth is missing, and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord thought that there was no justice, and he was offended. You know, the Bible talks about truth in the public square. God says people are mess up and they mess up my world because they say truth is a private thing, but not a public thing. And when that happens, we shouldn't be surprised. 
that the truth of lost people, the lostness of lost people, takes over the public square and chaos and injustice ensue. The problem, it's a problem, I think, when Christians will eagerly drink in large quantities of political opinions from secular journalists and ungodly professors and uh, and politicians that don't have a biblical worldview. But when it comes to Bible teachers, they say, be silent. We don't want to hear what the Bible says. It's okay for preachers to talk about stuff like salvation and spirituality, but it's not okay for them to talk about biblical principles in the public square, even if those biblical principles are about morals. Isaiah says, the Lord saw that there was no justice and he's offended. The Bible teaches that there is no secular, sacred segmentation in the world. Again, 1 Timothy 6, 15, Jesus Christ is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. Revelation 1, 5, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. The Bible tells us that God is the one who makes nations rise and fall. Revelation 19, 16, we're given a view of the end of times, and he has written, and he has a name written on his robe, and his and on his thigh, it is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Did you know at the beginning of our nation, preachers actually took it seriously that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords? They actually preached regularly and boldly on issues that had to do with government and politics. In fact, you can find books that are dedicated to sermons that were preached leading to and following the American Revolution. Preachers who actually boldly preached moral principles and things like just war principles, despite the threat of being accused of treason because, because according to the declarations of King George, it was treasonous to oppose his government. Um, they still preached against King George's policies, and they still preached that independence was just. One of the most famous accounts is the story of a man named John Peter Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg served a congregation of mostly German immigrants in Virginia. He was a firm supporter of the cause for independence. At the outbreak of the war, the story goes that he closed his sermon with a challenge for his church to support the cause. And then he said, there's a time to preach and a time to fight. And now is the time to fight. And with those words, he took off his ministerial robes to reveal that he was wearing a uniform of the Continental uh, Army underneath him. Immediately, he recruited 300 from his church to join him for the 8th Regiment, Virginia Regiment. That took extra courage for Muhlenberg, by the way, because the, the war was dividing not just the colonies, but families as well. I understand that at one point, basically people were divided in, into thirds. There was third for, third against, and a third that kind of wasn't sure. 
Molenberg's own father was actually a Lutheran minister who supported the British, and yet he took a stand because he believed it was biblical and took up, didn't, didn't just become a chaplain in the army, actually fought on the front lines, became a major general in the army. Why do you think it is that 250 years later, so many Christians lack that kind of moral clarity and conviction? See, what happens when people segment their lives into the sacred and the secular, what they'll do is they'll make, ultimately, they'll make something else supreme to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Another application is, I think our vote should be shaped by a biblical view of government. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in the future. But sometimes people think it's compassionate to allow the state, to encourage the state to violate biblical definitions of the purpose of the state and to, to, to do what the family is supposed to do or what the church is supposed to do. Just as it is wrong for individuals to take on their take on the responsibility to say, punish the murderer by going out and killing somebody who murdered, so it is equally wrong and immoral for the state to do us the responsibility of the family or the individual or the church. 